the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. on the fact that once you trusted Christ as Savior, genuinely, authentically, by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, for the glory of God alone, all of that, you are born again, and we know that the Spirit is coming, in context of timeline here, has come, because the Bible is now completed, this was 2,000 years ago, so if I get the Holy Spirit, and He is with me forever, that means I will never lose the Holy Spirit, He will never leave me, because He is with me forever, in this context, doesn't give you a caveat, or a back door out. You get him forever. You can grieve the spirit, but you can't grieve him away. If you trust Christ, and he's speaking to these guys. So let's go back to the passage again. Then it says, that is the spirit of truth. Implying, or not implying, explicitly saying the helper is the spirit of truth. Now, I'm going to come back to the concept of truth, but I'd like you to think just for a moment that it's referring to the embodiment of God's mind on paper. It is his truth. It is what he wants us to know about him. What he wants us to know how to glorify him. What he wants us to know about truth. He is truth. He is a spirit of truth. Then it says, whom the world cannot receive. The world cannot receive the spirit because it does not see him or does not know him. Now let's pause for a moment and talk about that for just a second. It's kind of weird. I didn't know the spirit and yet I got the spirit. I couldn't know the spirit. Yes, I got the spirit. How is that? What, what happened where that the world here doesn't know? They don't have it. How do you get that over that line of I didn't know it, but now I have it. They didn't know it. They didn't know him. So how did they get it? Listen carefully now. First of all, in the Bible, many times when the spirit of God was doing something, they attributed Beelzebub, which was Satan. So the activity of the spirit doing things on the earth, they attributed it to some kind of supernatural force, but not God. That's key. You can go through the Old Testament and see all these wonderful signs and wonders that were done. The performance was done by the Lord. I believe it was done by the Spirit of God because that seems to be the engine that goes even through the New Testament. So you're seeing the Holy Spirit's activity. So in a sense, He is now working. They did not attribute it to the Holy Spirit. They attributed it to some kind of other force that was out there. And many times it could be underneath the authority of the Lord. Now we come back into this passage here. So now they could see the Spirit, but they wouldn't recognize the Spirit because they didn't want the Spirit. Which means now for you and me, that if we're going to continue rejecting Christ, rejecting His Word, rejecting even the fact that there is a Holy Spirit, and that He is God, and that He does fit in a parameter of um, spiritual laws, we might say, that are confined with Scripture, then we'll never fully understand Christianity. We'll create our own Christianity, but not biblical Christianity. All right, now coming back to this. So they really didn't know Him. So now what I'd like you to do, in your margin of your notes, I'm going to go through a little, little uh, quick little showing of the Holy Spirit in the Gospel of John. 
If you will, go to John chapter 7 for just a moment. We are really getting ready to land the plane, believe me, I promise you. But I want you to go to John chapter 7. We're just looking in John, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The reason you need to understand this is because I'm going to come back to the point of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in counseling. The ministry of the Holy Spirit in bringing you comfort, okay? So we're looking now at John chapter 7. We've already studied this, but look at it very carefully because I want you to see the development of the Holy Spirit from John chapter 7 verse 37 through 39. Jesus says, Now at the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried and he said, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. That was a phrase that was often used throughout Scripture for salvation. He who believes in me, ooh, that even makes it more clear. If you believe in me, as the Scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit. So the rivers of living water is like the Spirit of God. Where is the Spirit of God? In your innermost being. Now, they didn't get the Spirit at that time because the Spirit did not come inside of them until the church started after Jesus was ascended. Go back to the passage again. Verse 39. But this spoke he of the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. Again, future when the Spirit would then come inside of them. The operative phrase is, believe in me. The operative phrase is not behave. The operative phrase is not believe and behave. The operative phrase is believe in Christ. You will receive. For the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified or resurrected. So, first of all, the Spirit starts by energizing us. We become born again. We are empowered for eternal life. All right? Now, if you will, go back to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. And I want you to look at this now. In John chapter 14, where we're reading... This is talking about him coming to provide comfort. They don't know him. They can't receive him. But if you recognize that he is real, that he is God, you will. And him that knows him, the Holy Spirit abides with you. And he will be in you in the future. He'll be in you. And this is all about comfort. He's going to comfort you. The whole context, John 14, 1. If you want comfort, so his abiding presence will be with you. He will be in you. If you know Christ is saved, you have the Spirit of God. You have the power to be able to endure, even cheerfully, what you're going through. Then drop down, if you will, to verse 25. The Spirit is now moving from in you for salvation to now giving you comfort, no matter what you go through. Verse 25, these things have I spoken to you while abiding with you, but the Holy Spirit, the Spirit, the Helper, whom the Father will send, again, He's coming, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. So you're going to have aid and learning the scriptures here. You're going to have aid in remembering the scriptures here. He's going to teach you these things. He's the spirit of truth, if you remember. So now, not only are you saved, you have comfort. Where does that comfort come? From the word of God, who will teach you everything there is to know about God that he wants you to know. He'll even help you remember it once you've learned it, once he's taught it to you. Now, if you will, go to chapter 15, verse 26. Again, this is the whole concept of the spirit in John. It says, when the Helper comes, whom I will send, keep underlining the word, I will, I will, I will. It's a promise of God that's coming. I'll send to you from the Father that is the Spirit of truth. There you see it again, the embodiment of all truth in the Spirit, the Word of God, who proceeds from the Father. He will, meaning the Spirit, not the Father now, He will testify of me, and you will testify also. So while He's speaking of me and He's inside of you, you and He will be working together to testify about Christ because you have been with me from the beginning, so you are now empowered for witnessing. 
So not only is the Spirit giving you eternal life, He's also giving you comfort. He is also teaching you and abiding with you. So he'll never leave you. And He's also empowering you for evangelism. And then now if you will go to chapter 16, verse 7, same helper here, same Spirit. And he, Jesus says, But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, Jesus. For if I don't go away, the helper who we're talking about, the Spirit, will not come to you. He'll come, but not to you. But if I go, I will send him to you, because you believe, and he, when he comes, will, and now this is what he does to the lost world, not to you and me necessarily. He will convict the world. In that context, it's not talking about the believer as much as it's talking about the unbeliever. The world concerning sin, that they're sinners. Righteousness, that they need to be righteous before God and they can't be by their works. Righteousness comes by Christ. And judgment, the fact if I don't trust Christ, I will be judged concerning sin because they do not believe in me. That's why this part of the Spirit and His job is to convince the world because they don't believe in Him. So now look up here and let me see if I can make some sense of this because I want to bring this message to a close. All right. If you're hurting right now, and you're going through a whole bunch of junk in your life, I want you to know the Lord wants to comfort you. The comforting dynamic of the Trinity is the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And he says that I want to come inside of you because often your troubled heart is an inside job in how you face all the isms and spasms of life. And to do that, the Spirit has to come inside of you. So going full circle, at the end, he's convicting you that you need a Savior, bottom line that you're in a world and you're in a world of hurt right now and your only way out of that hurt here and in the next world is through the person of Jesus Christ now. So he's pointing you to Christ. And so when you trust Christ as your Savior, the Spirit comes inside of you. Now once the Spirit is inside of you, He begins to bring you comfort because He's the, the, the Spirit of truth. He then will also um, teach you so you'll understand Scripture. And I love this part. He will also bring back to your mind things that you've studied to remind you when you're going through it so that you're now taking the word with you wherever you're going. That's the ministry of the helper that he wants to be in your life. So when you're counseling with someone, while you're working with them, somewhere along the line, as early as you can, no matter who they are, you want to make sure they know Christ as Savior. This last week, uh, two guys on the same day came by to visit me, and uh, or I visited with them. And it was a neat thing because um, it's been my, I guess... One of my shticks is, I, I don't want to meet someone without somehow confirming do they really know Christ as their Savior, especially if I haven't heard a clear witness back to them. So in a wonderful conversation with a, a, a dear friend and just enjoying our company, I decided to draw on a piece of paper on my desk three doors. You've seen me do this before. Door number one, there's only one of those three doors will get you into heaven. Door number one was good works. Door number two was good works, but also faith in Christ. Door number three was a crossover, faith in Christ. I said, now... Which of those doors is the only door that if you opened it, you will walk right into heaven? <clears throat> and it was interesting because both the guys weren't even in cahoots with one another. They were hours apart. One was at early breakfast. One was at lunch. They looked at those three doors. And they said, all right, faith in Christ, good works, or, faith in works, and good works. So they looked at it, and both these guys were they, they were, they said, I should say it's by faith alone in Christ, but I'm going to say it's by faith in good works. You know what I did then? I thank them for being so honest to share that with me because it gave me an opportunity to say that good works don't get you to heaven. Faith and works don't get you to heaven. And I explained that to him that it was only by faith alone. It was almost like the light bulb came on in his life. Now, the after story is this. 
Now I have someone with whom God can work because the Spirit of God is with him. Watch this, watch this. And now the Word of God, because the Spirit of the Word, the Spirit of truth is now working in cahoots, so to speak, to help this person to go to his next level. So I had to make sure that he knew Christ as Savior. Next guy, lunchtime, down by Pearl Harbor, through the three doors on a napkin. And we went over these three, and he looked at me and he said, hmm, 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 I should say his faith alone in Christ, but I'm going to say his faith in good works. And one more time, I said, thank you. I'm so glad you felt honest to share that. Let me share with you what the Bible has to say. We were all done with this. It was like, oh, I knew that. I just, I should have said that, you know. It's kind of like I could have had a V8. Well, the bottom line of all of that is simply this. For yourself, if you want to have true comfort, you need to know Christ as your personal Savior by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. If you're working with someone, somewhere along the line, you've got to get a helper involved. <laughs> and the only way he'll be involved is that that person knows Christ as Savior. Now, I'm frankly out of time. I wish I had another 15 minutes, but I'm not going to keep you going. But here's what I would go, and I want you to take this home with you. What's so supernatural about the Holy Spirit that really can help someone? I'm going to say this in as much a... I don't want to get a lot of emails when I say this, but I want to shock you a little bit. I believe not very much. And the reason I say that the Holy Spirit really can't help you or them very much, if it's apart from the very Word of God. And the reason I say that is because it's the Spirit of truth, but it also says that the sword of the Spirit, Spirit of truth, is the Word of God. So to the degree that I know the Word of God accurately, and I believe it, and I trust it, and I'll apply it, to that degree I'm unleashing the work of the Holy Spirit to do a much greater work in my life. Are you following me? That's why... I give my life for you all and anybody who will listen. I want you to get into God's Word. I want you to be in it as often as you can, realistically speaking. You've got to have life. But you're Word-based. You're Word-bound. So that this way, the Spirit of God can now take the Word of God to the child of God for the glory of God. It's the same thing when you want to work with someone with a troubled heart. Now, it's not that you're going to just open the Bible anywhere and just start shooting Bible verses at them. That's like a doctor taking a machete when someone needs surgery. But it is like a scalpel and the Spirit of God working so carefully together. And one other little caveat. They don't put a scalpel in the hand of a drunken doctor who's going to do surgery. And when we're drunk with the affairs of this world and our life is so mixed up with the worldview as a Christian at times, why would we ever want to take God's Word and just blast it? So I wish I had more time to open that. I wish I had more time to tell you that a lot of what is being spoken about regarding the Spirit as the helper, the Holy Spirit, is wrong. And I say that as tenderly as I can, but emphatically, they are wrong. Everything from how He operates to what kind of gifts are here today or not. And the reason they're wrong is because they can talk about Christ, they can talk about the Bible, they can cry, they can weep, they can clap, they can jump, they can sing about the Holy Spirit. But if they do not know Jesus Christ by faith alone, which most of them don't know or it's not clear, and they at the same time believe that you can lose your salvation, then they've separated soteriology, the doctrine of salvation, and they really aren't saved. So then they really haven't believed, and according to John 7, then they really don't have the Holy Spirit that was promised. So whatever they're teaching about God is not from the real accurate Word of God. So it's got to go back to, do I know the Word? 
Do I know Christ as my Savior? Am I in... Am I in sync with the Holy Spirit? Am I allowing Him, the Holy Spirit, to take His Word because He is like Christ. He's the essence of Christ in my life today. And I'm going to bring glory to the Father. We've already studied that. As this, all this runs together and it begins with salvation. And I'm now filled. I go through my afflictions. Thank God for them. I use His comfort. I come alongside other people and I want to help them. Let's pray. Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I really love you folks. And I really love the word of God. And I want to help you because I have so many imperfections as all of us do. But there's no imperfections with the word of God. And I want you to know that the Holy Spirit will comfort you and he will comfort you through the word. Over and over again it says... In what I gave you as a homework assignment last week, Psalm 119, how valuable the Word of God is to bring you comfort. This is my comfort in my affliction, David says, that your Word revives me. So while your head is bowed and your eyes closed, would you just tell the Lord how much you love Him and how much you need His Word and you appreciate His Word and if there's something more you need to do to get into his word, that you'll do it. David also cries to the Lord and he says, I've remembered your word from of old, O Lord, and I comfort myself. It's the word that brings you comfort as it is placed in the hands of the comforter. David goes on and he says, Oh, may your loving kindness comfort me according to your word to your servant he was humble and he said your word is like loving kindness to me sometimes we run away from the word because it convicts us and we think it's going to take away our fun we see it as a hammer or a fire that's going to crush us instead of the fire and the hammer crushing the things in our life that are hindering us from our intimacy with the Lord so see it as loving kindness it's the most loving thing he can do is to take his word to you and me and do business think of Job and all the afflictions he went through and he had a bunch of comforters but he called them miserable comforters you know why? because his miserable comforters had the word but also mixed in it a lot of worldly secular worldview philosophy and their own opinions and they used it like a machete I hope we're more like Jonathan that would come alongside us as a David when we are so down and that he would encourage us in the Lord it'd be in the promises that David heard about God as a little boy growing up and what he knew and that we would know those promises and we would rely upon them and hold them supreme and come alongside others that are down so that later on in life when David didn't have Jonathan any longer and he was afflicted again felt like he was going to die and he thought he was because of his enemies who were also his friends at the time and what did he do? he paused and with his troubled heart he comforted himself in the Lord in the word with the Godhead oh my friend do you love the Lord? those of you who are listening that are trying to make sense of all of this, let me tell you that there's only one door 
to get into this truth, to begin to really understand it, because it's, you can't know really the things of God apart from this. It sounds so black and white, doesn't it? Well, that's what it is. God says it is. You're dead. I'm dead if I don't go through that door. Jesus says he's the door. Jesus says he's the way. And that door is by taking the little bit of tiny faith you have and placing it in Jesus Christ, believing that he is God. And that Jesus died on the cross and he rose again and he looks back and he says, it's not by your works of righteousness. It is not by you trusting me and then doing good works to, to tell me that what I did on the cross wasn't good enough and you have to help yourself. You just got to fall into my arms as I hung on the cross with your faith. Now my friend, I... I petition for you to do that. I can never promise you that your problems will get better. Yeah, they may ebb and flow even if you don't know Christ. Others have. But your real problem isn't in this world anyway. It's going to be in the next one. And you know that no matter what you do, you cannot stop death. It will come. It's a freight train heading right at all of us. I just pray that you go through the right door, Jesus Christ, by faith alone. And that will unlock the potential for the Word and the Spirit of God to help you in your affliction and to help you with a son or a daughter with a troubled heart, a mate with a troubled heart, a mom or a dad or a brother or sister with a troubled heart. Those of you in ministry with those that are in your ministry with troubled hearts. Those of you that mean business for God in your job, you come alongside them privately, guy with guy, gal with gal, and help them with a troubled heart. Show them who the helper is. So I'm going to ask today, is there anyone in here that would like for me to pray for them? Now, I don't have any special connection to God any more than you could and would. But I'd like to bring you to the throne of grace in my prayer at least. And if today is a day you're trusting Christ as your forever Savior, and you'd like for me to remember you in prayer, I'd like to do that. Now, me praying for you won't get that door open. You don't have to stand. You don't have to sign a card. You don't have to say anything. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, but even raising your hand doesn't open that door. It's believing in your heart that Jesus is the Lord. And believing in your heart means believing with a clear-thinking mind sincerely before God. Do you believe that Jesus is the Lord? He died and rose again. You're trusting in Him. So with heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around, is there anyone today that says, I want the helper to come into my life? I need help. I need comfort. I need an advocate. I need an attorney with all the trouble that's going on. I need someone that's bigger than this world to help me. And I love the Lord and I want to know Him. And so I'm trusting Christ as my Savior. Sins forgiven, heaven bound. Pastor, would you pray for me? Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. If you're trusting Christ today and you'd like for me to pray for you, would you slip up your hand right now? Anyone at all? Put your hand up. God bless you, my friend. Anyone else? All right. The rest of you, your affliction and... Your troubled heart. Right now, I'm going to let it be personal with you. You're going to need to bear your own burden for a little bit. And I know where to share one another. And My wife and I will be up here in the front for anyone that wants to give us your burden. And together, we'll encourage you. We'll help you. We'll see what we can do. Because the Bible says that we're to comfort one another. Especially in the loss of someone who died. But whatever you're going through, we want to be here for you. But right now, I just want you to know that we're going to pray for one another quietly. If you know of someone that's going through some issues right now, you pray that not so much that their problem would go away, but that they would see the extent of their problem solver in their life. That they would use this problem to drive them to an intimacy with Christ. Would you pray for them? And maybe pray for yourself. If there's any confessing you need to do, 
That's a private thing. Take care of that. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. And while for many it might seem very complicated, actually the more we study it, the more powerful it really becomes to us as we begin to really know you. And we realize that you do have answers. And that, Father, that you designed us divinely in your creation, knowing that we would fall and be broken, and then you come right there into our lives and alongside us, and then you put us back together again if we're willing to lay still on the surgeon's operating table. And so, Lord, we're going to let you, as the great physician of our heart and life, cut away to take something out, to cut away to put something in. But cut away, Lord, so we become more like you. I pray for this one that have accepted you as their personal Savior by faith in you alone, that they would get a Bible and begin to read it, come alongside some other folks that would help them to learn the Word, teach them the Word. I pray that they talk to you in prayer and not these little speeches and stuff they get at the end of a devotional, but a real son-to-a-father kind of conversation. For, Father, you love to hear our heart as we commune with you. I pray that, Father, that we would be faithful meeting together for worship of your word, to study it as often as we can, knowing that we'll never plummet its depths, but at the same time, there's so much more to learn of your word to know you. So help us with that. And then, Father, I pray that they would begin to share with others that they've come to faith in you so they could begin to grow. And It's kind of like them. They got a new present. They met a new forever friend, and they can't wait to introduce you to others. And I pray that they would. Father, we lift up those who are brokenhearted and hurting now, that this message would encourage them if they would get into your word and that you would specifically bring the right verse at the right time to the right person with the right need so that, Father, that they would worship the only God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.